0: Good evening, SAFM Viewpoint. This is the 27th day of August 2019. SAFM is leading the conversation, and none other to help us do that is the Professor in Stellenbosch University Law Trust Chair of Social Justice, none other than Advocate Professor Tulima Donsela. Social Justice Summit, an international conference taking place in a couple of days' time in Stellenbosch, leveraging the Sustainable Development Goals and the Global Human Rights Agenda to Advance Social Justice. We're in conversation with Professor Madoncela about Social Justice Summit that's taking place in Stellenbosch. It aims to unpack social justice in South Africa, its various dimensions, the pathways available to address social injustice and how best to leverage the opportunities presented by the multi of documents that talk to the SDGs, the National Development Plan, including South Africa's constitution. The conference 30 and 31 August aims to address the question, and this is what hopefully we'll get a sense as to what it might answer. To what extent can academia advance the global social justice agenda? And now, at 12 minutes past, Advocate Madonsela, Professor Madonsela, is on the line to have that discussion with us. Good evening, Professor.
1: Good evening, Sanjeeva, and good evening to the
0: listeners first of all first things first the last time we had a conversation between ourselves as sfm viewpoint team we wanted you to help us produce this program and present and you told us no i'm climbing a mountain so let's talk first about how your trip went on mount kilimanjaro oh wow it was a successful expedition
1: and, and thanks to of course the women's that joined this expedition including uh, some of them from the S.A.B.C., Pearl, Ndundu, and Rosa. And of course, my colleague, Professor Human. it really was fantastic, but I must say that the last bit of it was grueling. Why? Well, uh, by the time you get to the last bit of it, there's fewer kilometres. In fact, um, the very last bit is about 200 metres. But you're so tired by then, the altitude is high. And in my case, they had implored us to eat as much glucose and sugar as possible. But me being uh. concerned about weight, I decided not to do that. As my energy levels were depleted. And yeah, at some stage I actually experienced experienced temporary blindness and wobbly legs Mm. until they discovered what the problem was and they started pumping me with every sugar snack that they could find
0: taking chances professor we don't need another story that's going to end in tragedy but we're thankful for your life and we thank you for the summit and more importantly and I think I just want to package it in the context of social justice you were not just climbing a mountain for the sake of climbing a mountain there's a massive social initiative behind that all do you want to unpack that for us and just tell us how successful it was
1: Absolutely.
0: The
1: the client was for dignity and, and for social justice. Regarding dignity, we're focusing on the Girl Child. In Boomba Foundation, which is run by Richard Mabas, who is the one who gathered all of us and asked me to headline this, he has decided that as part of advancing social justice, which is um, um, combating poverty and, and inequality at an elementary level, he helps collect sanitary pads, for girls and educate girls about their human dignity and leadership. You would think this is a small initiative, but it has big implications for girls because we are told that girls often don't go to school or they sell their bodies um, to sugar daddies or less so that they can have... And others, and others drop out of school. is a different initiative to keep the girl child at school. I also plan just to highlight the reality of the challenge of social justice in South Africa, particularly is reflected in extreme poverty. 55.5% South Africans are poor. Of those... 4.2% are black uh, of African origin. You, you know about unemployment being almost at 30%. What people don't know is that we also have an extreme hunger problem of people who go without food for days. Then we have structural inequality, whereby at the bottom of every social structure, of every social structure in South Africa, you find black people, and mm. at the top, you'll find whites. That's a legacy of the past. If you're looking at land holdings, if you're looking at business ownership, if you're looking at uh, stores like retail, uh, stores like Pick and Pay, Woolies, Truett, etc., you will find that your bottom people are black, but. Management is part of the legacy of the past. And yes, of course, things are changing, but they're not changing fast enough. So the conference is about reflecting on social injustice, which is primarily and inequality and using the UN framework of Sorry Professor Madonsela, I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you. Um, I was hearing you all along but for some reason or the other now I'm getting terrible feedback and the line is somewhat a little subdued. I'm going to request that we just sort this out quickly and I'm sorry to do this to the listeners at home. We really have to do this. The time is 20 past. We're going to take a quick ad break while we try and sort out the line. But I am in conversation with Professor Tuli Madonsela who is the Law Trust Chair of Social Justice at Marty's University of Stellenbosch Faculty of Law there And specifically happening this week, the conference, 30 and 31 August, aims to address the question, to what extent can academia advance the global social justice agenda? So we're talking all things human rights law, really, in the context of social justice, and we will be in discussion about the SDG, Sustainable Development Goals, the National Development Plan, the Constitution, and generally the advancement of human rights at a social level, in particular, the world over. Professor Martin will be giving us um, if you will, a rundown of where we are as a world, as a people in South Africa specifically, and what this conference directly wants to address. So please stay tuned. The time is 18 minutes past. We have to take a quick ad break while the line is being sorted out. Thank you so much for your indulgence, and welcome to the show for those who are joining us for the first time. Welcome to those who are our continued listeners. We really do appreciate that. It is Song bedside is on SAFM Viewpoint, leading the conversation. We'll be back right after this. Need a little afternoon pick-me-up? Then join Palisa Tembe and me, Jeannie D, on Afternoon Express. Discover what's trending as we meet the people and engage the issues that have captured Mzanzi's attention. Plus, the Afternoon Express kitchen explores flavors that'll excite your taste buds. It's delicious, it's insightful, it's fun and colorful. It's Afternoon Express, weekdays at 5 p.m. on SABC3. The city of Good Hope, Cape Town will once again draw the attention of thousands as runners gather for the Sunlam Cape Town City Marathon, Africa's only IAAF Gold Label Status Marathon. Athletes will experience Africa's most visited and most celebrated city in a spectacular route from Beach Road in Seapoint to the finish line at the Cape Town Stadium. Catch this global city race on Sunday 15 September live on SABC 2 at 6.30 a.m. And live crossings on your favorite SABC radio stations. The Sandlam Town City Marathon brought to you by SABC Sports for the love of the game. The SAFM 83rd birthday celebration continues. We are giving away 83,000 Rand in cold hard ca- ca- cash. Cash. cash to win. Oh, stay him. tuned to SAFM for the clues. clues. SAFM, the birthday station, leading the conversation. SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomapepe on, on SAFM. Stella, who had just come back from Mount Kilimanjaro on a special assignment, Truly. And we are talking specifically now where you were, Professor Madoncella, in terms of where we are at, in terms of the social outlook. You were talking about how corporates, especially if you look at the ladder, it's very skewed towards being concentrated at the top by white persons and at the bottom African persons, black persons, or whatever the definition might go. And you're about to get into what the conference specifically is aiming to address. You may continue, please, Prof Madoncella. Thank you, Professor. We have
1: a summit. That is on Thursday, and we're inviting every South African and friend of South Africa to come to this summit if they have an interest in ending poverty by 2030 and reducing structural inequality within the same period. We then also have a conference on the 30th, the 31st and the 1st. The conference is more academic, looking at social justice causes, influencing factors, and uh, effective ways to combat poverty and inequality. At the summit, we want to find common ground on the current pressing challenges regarding poverty and structural inequality and emerge with a set of agreed actions. And we say... All of us agree that we can do one, two, three, to end poverty by 2030 and reduce structural inequality. And thirdly, to ensure that this program of action is part of a... An M plan. People would call it a Marshall plan. We call it a Mosa plan because we've named it after somebody who struggled on our behalf was arrested in on June 16 in 1976, but today she is poor. Her name is Palisa Mosa, so we call this plan a Mosa plan. But it's a Marshall plan. It's about all hands on deck by all peace-loving South Africans democracy-loving South Africans who want to see this country flourish in terms of social cohesion, the rule of law, and living together in shared prosperity.
0: For those of you who want to contribute to this conversation, that is the basis upon which the summit as well as the conference that follows the summit will be taking place. Professor Madonsela, former public protector, is on the line. She is the Law Trust Chair of Social Justice at the University of Stellenbosch. Any questions and contributions that you might have in the context of global human rights, specifically those that advance social justice, especially in the South African context, and if you will in the broader African context, please do give us a call on 0891-104-207. If you're not comfortable with that, WhatsApp voice notes are available, 0614-104-107. Drop us a WhatsApp voice note. We will listen to it and we'll play it on air. Please make sure you give us your name. Hashtag SAFM viewpoint. My name is Songaz Prof. Madonsela, let me ask this question. In the context of social partners, invariably government has to be there. Your NGO space will be there. Business has to be there. Of those three critical voices, the summit and the conference itself, what support has been shown by business? What support has been shown by, by government in the context of Names that carry the kind of weight that can make the meaningful changes that are required in the summit and in this kind of conference, such that the outcomes and the agreed upon um, action plans, if you will, will be distributed not just by yourselves but by persons who have influence in the country, such that we can get a meaningful momentum going forward from this.
1: We have received tremendous support from all quarters government, business, society. In academia, from government, we wanted the president to give the keynote, but he will be out of the country, and he has assigned Minister Jackson Temple, who is responsible for planning, monitoring, and evaluation, to give the keynote address. We have representatives from the from the legal council. Uh, somebody is also the chairperson of. Nadal, uh, Mr. Mr. and uh, will be one of the key speakers. Uh, we have from Business Leadership South Africa, the CEO herself, Miss Busima Mabuso. From from civil society, we have um, several vice-chancellors of u- universities, uh, Professor Adam Habib from the University of Verde, uh, professor um, uh peter C. from the uh, from from free state we have uh, professor mahwa mahwara uh, from uh we, we we we've got the, the vice chancellor of uj um and, and several other academics. We also have uh, people from just general uh, civil society organisations, NGOs, academics, and our own vice chancellor, Professor Bim Devenis, who has mm. supported the, the role of Ellen Bush. In transforming South Africa To a place for everyone He'll be there And he unashamedly says Our university was part of the problem And right now it will be At the forefront of being part of the solution
0: Thank you so much That, that, That sounds quite comprehensive Let's talk to now the small Detail which is very critical For instance, do we have a sense As to where we are With regard to the objectives Of the NDP as a country For the most part, I can almost just say we are very much behind in terms of what the NDP wants us to do by the time it wants us to do it versus where we are now on present facts. The Millennium Development Goals turned SDGs. We are still, for the most part, the world over behind, certainly in the critical indicators. So the ending of poverty by 2030, for the most part, on current facts, is aspirational as opposed to possible. Do you have more data that might suggest or give us a picture as to where really we are in the fight towards social justice?
1: as well, you are absolutely right um, on ending poverty, inequality, and hunger, which is part of the SDGs—one, SDG one, SDG ten, and um, and also the Agenda the SDG. We are not doing as well as as we could be doing. In fact, we're doing very badly on poverty, and we're doing very badly on advancing equality. However, having said that, the government recently boosted its its programs in in trying to to monitor change. What we hope to do, though on Thursday, which we don't think is doing adequately, is that instead of putting our resources into tracking progress, let's put our resources into making progress. In other words, let's have very clear Mm. plans on on, on ending poverty, clear plans on on ending hunger, and very clear plans on ending inequality. At this stage, we're not sure if those plans are there. And um, we also want to have a systems approach to ending poverty and inequality, because we know that there are projects that are run here and there. However, poverty operates like an epidemic. You can't hit it at one level and hope to mm, um, mm. to combat it. And, and apartheid, the architects of apartheid were smart. They were engineers. They knew how society works. So to keep the majority of the people in the, in this country in a state of subjugation, they touched education, they touched the group areas, residential areas, segregated, they touched land to make sure that the lifeblood or economic advancement in food was was impacted um they had education to make sure that it generated an inferior mind but also it was poorly invested in so moving forward we have to look at what are we tinkering with is it a systems approach and, um, and um, are we touching all bases? But more importantly, why we're calling it a Musa plan or a Marshall plan. After World War II, America came up with a Marshall plan for Europe recovery. Uh-huh. That plan came from an understanding that there's no government that alone will end the devastation. And that if poverty was not sorted out quickly... It was going to get worse, and that with poverty uh, being extreme, democracy and peace are going to be threatened. So, this idea that government could solve the problem by itself, even if there's no corruption and there's all good governance, is out of question. We need all hands on deck to do this. Yes, so to answer your question, there isn't adequate progress. Part of the reason, though, and there isn't adequate progress, is that we haven't leveraged civil society. Uh, when I was in in at The Hague in Holland a, yes. a, a few months ago, I found that businesses there, each business uh, I was staying at the Marriott Hotel, for example, each business has its own SDG that we are working on SDG4 because it's understood that this is a job for everyone and Government alone is not going to to cut it.
0: The ownership part of it is ex- extremely important And I like sort of what the Netherlands uh, community has adopted let's, let's bring it back home Because you've mentioned quite a few times The legacy of apartheid And specifically talking about the architects of apartheid And how very shrewd they were In creating the kind of society that we now enjoy Or don't enjoy for the most part But also, let's talk first about What the country really inherited Before we can talk about What it is that this government has not been able to do Or leverage And which is worse, not respond to at least least what we know, the constitutional dispensation. I understand that former President F. W. De Klerk will be there. Is that true?
1: He's going to be there, and he, he, he truly supports the idea of an MPM. And when I had a conversation with him, he thought maybe the, the TRC dropped the ball. I don't think the TRC dropped the ball because the TRC only focused on one legacy of apartheid. It only focused on extreme terrorism by the state. You know, this how the state terrorized people, killing them and injuring them. It never dealt with economic harm, social harm, psychological harm, spatial disparities, land. It didn't deal with any of that. And therefore it couldn't come up with a comprehensive plan to heal all of the impact of apartheid, including the impact of patriarchy and disability discrimination.
0: President de traction at the summit, what what are we trying to achieve by having one of the architects of the environment that we now have talking to us about the environment that now needs to be corrected?
1: I'm glad you're asking that question, Sonia. The idea of this summit is to create a coalition for social justice um, and sort of a movement. President Dekeck has a view, and he has people who believe in that view. Madam Helen Zille, for example, has a view There are people who believe in that view. So the idea is to bring to the table everyone who has a view and try to mediate these views or moderate these views so that there's common ground on certain things. Do we have a problem? Do we agree that... Uh, For example, poverty and inequality constitutes the most pressing challenge of our time. I mean, the the only equal problem that we have, I would say, is the the problem of um, climate change. Mm. But if you're poor, trust me, if you're poor, you go with an empty stomach for days, you don't care about climate change, you don't care about corruption, you just care about when will i be able to get a job or to be able to be assisted to create a business for myself or to create a farm for myself so that i can survive so that i can have dignity so that i can live as a human being as opposed to living like an animal
0: let's talk about section 230 of the constitution um i was really trying to get a little more response from the declarative question but I suppose you still have to run the conference, or so let, let's get clear from that. Let's talk about Section 230 of the Constitution because that is an all-encompassing obligation on the state and everybody to whom the state can act or against whom the state can act to advance the objectives, broad objectives, of the transformative agenda that is implicit in the Constitution. Do you want to unpack us the value of that particular clause in the Constitution?
1: Right. Um you said it's section 230.
0: Oh, is it, oh, is it 234? Uh, the one that says obligations imposed in the Constitution must be fulfilled. I just... Oh, yeah, it's
1: section 237. It's one of my... Th-
0: 237, it's I beg your My pardon.
1: favorite sections is um, all constitutional obligations must be performed diligently and without delay. And that's extremely important. People have tried. I would say all governments that took power since 1994 have tried to implement the Constitution, where they have failed is to have a comprehensive agenda that is systems-based. As I indicated, poverty uh, operates like an epidemic. If you only tinker with one corner of it, it's not going to work. You need a systems approach. Secondly, inequality operates exponentially. If you reduce it in minute details, instead of decreasing, it increases like debt. If you pay your debt in very small amounts, it just keeps growing. And this is what we've seen now when we've become uh, the most unequal society in the world. We wonder, why is it so given the fact that we have been implementing some measures and I'm saying those measures were not adequate enough to create, to create a critical mess that shifts things the other way, which is in favor of advancing equality
0: it's a very critical clause in the constitution and perhaps to have a discussion with us we don't know what carly in Durban is going to say but for those of you who want to participate in this conversation oh eight nine one one oh four two seven time is running out we are in conversation with professor madonsela law trust chair of social justice at stellenbosch university good evening carly
1: good evening to uh sanjezo San thank you for bringing the mother of our nation to us and um, i'm really honored to tell the professor Ma- um, professor madonsela uh, hello and good evening. Hey, to good evening, sir. and um, 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 uh, I thank you for doing what you're doing and you haven't left us. You're still with us into in South Africa. My my take is just very quickly, man. Our country is the education and health are the two priorities. And just very maybe quickly, the the current uh, issue with our public with our present PP. Thank you and all the luck for the future. God bless Thank- you and be with you. Bye.
0: Thank you so much, Carly, calling us from Durban. If you haven't yet called 891 Professor Madonsela on the line. Education and health, specifically in context of social justice, perhaps you want to respond to that? And if you will, you may respond to the current spat between the president and the PP.
1: Right. On on, on the step between the Presidents and the PP, I will give that one a miss. All I will say that just to them and all others is that let's not forget that we are in trouble as a nation. So whatever we do, um, let's also keep our ball our our eyes on the ball, which is get gold South Africa. Out of harm in terms of poverty, poverty and inequality and the growing problem of unemployment which is going to be to get worse if we don't um, uh, if we don't do something because of the fourth industrial revolution right um, on mm-hmm. the question of health and education being a uh, major priority I do agree with that when we started research on this M plan for social justice um, people were saying that uh, as part of the M-Plan Fund, because we we are going to establish an action for inclusion fund, they were saying whatever money that is collected from society should go to uh, education and health. And initially, I really did entertain those ideas until at a conference, uh, at a future of education conference in Chile, somebody mm. drew my attention to research that reminded me of the statement i made earlier about the fact that poverty operates like an epidemic yes so if you think at with education alone you get many unemployed graduates but if you think at with health alone you get people who are healthy but no help to go or no food to eat etc so i'm saying those are important but My personal view, if somebody asked me what my personal view would be, it would be, let's take the 4,392 municipalities and look at poverty in all of those situations and address each poverty situation depending on its circumstances. Because there are some people who are unemployed, they are educated. So you can't say that they're poor because they need education. They're healthy, they're educated, the system is not pulling them up, or the system is not helping them to to pull themselves up. The M plan, of course, is not about creating a psyche or a mentality of... Um, of, of, of entitlement it is really about helping people to help themselves because that 's why we are leveraging the um, framework of sustainable development because sustainable development is about getting people to lift themselves up, but making sure that the system is helping them, so government should be there to help, business should be there to help and um, and and asset redistribution should be part of the equation and preferably voluntary assets redistribution or sharing should be
0: part of the equation the more things change the more things stay the same i've heard this before and i think as you were speaking prof i'm really taken back to what was 1994 all about 1994 was all, and this is my last question because we are running out of time 94 was about reconstruction and development before that document could even find any meaningful traction, it was replaced by GEAR, Growth, Employment and Redistribution. And it wasn't long thereafter, it was ASKISA a and now we are sitting with NDP. Never mind the fact that these policies are changing, but can we really say we have departed from the need of... What RDP really spoke about? Because when you look at the housing backlog, for instance, it is still there. When you look at the public infrastructure backlog, it is still there. The quality and state of our schools. Children are drowning in pit toilets in schools. That is a demand that was made. Right. Long before, even that. You're
1: right. So I think it was wrong to abandon the NDP. We should have reformed it. But I suspect that economists, which I'm told were from my we're from Harvard, advise on right a there. trickle on a trickle down approach. You know, build a black um, build a black uh, middle class, and then everything will come. Um, will come right. They were wrong because the devastation of apartheid left communities with no infrastructure. Hence you talk about schools without toilets, villages without roads. And so you needed a program that would focus on that, shift resources. But where we were wrong even during the RDP, we never looked at civil society chipping in and helping with resources. So the end plan that we're discussing now is about policy reform, leveraging data analytics to plan policies that are not one size fits all, because one size fits all can be cruel to those who don't fit the paradigm. But we're also looking at bringing in civil society as part of, uh, of social accountability to watch out where does the money go? Does the money go to... Projects based on Section 237 of the Constitution, or does it go to frivolous things, or does it even go to corruption, and also social cohesion, people working together to build bridges. The third part of the M plan is leveraging resources from the communities within South Africa and abroad to fund the change. In other words, we're saying, we will have to put in some money, and we're not going to ask people to put in millions even though we know some of them have the millions, having seen you know what's in the news these days about funding campaigns, but we're going to ask people mm. for five friends when they go to the shop. If you go going to the shop, um, and if some of the retail shops agree to come on board, uh, when you buy there, uh, you you pay five friends towards this action for inclusion fund. Of course, people can pay more through other things. People can also um, share assets that they have such as land that would be commendable. Some are already doing it. I've met farmers that are freely sharing land with other people and um, so, but it's really to say to South Africans we are in trouble poverty and inequality is dividing us. Poverty Completely. and inequality is, is undermining democracy and it will soon undermine the rule of law and therefore it's in all our interests to play a part in ending it.
0: I have to ask this question, and I'm sorry I have to ask it. Let me just read a couple of tweets from one of our loyal listeners, Mr. Walter Bengu. This is what he says. First, SDGs have never been centralized and remain a pie in the sky and the sole responsibility of government and not a joint responsibility. This said, in the context especially as I see it, of the example of the Netherlands, Can such events be held within communities with maximum community involvement as opposed to them being held in inaccessible conference halls? Great point. Food security as a means for social justice is mutually inclusive with land reform. What are your views on that statement? And just to package everything that Walter has said, and you have met, I'll ask him to tweet and sort of tag you so you can know who I'm talking about. I agree yeah.
1: with Walter 100% that SDGs have not been decentralized in the Netherlands way. And the planning part is weak. And also the integration between NDP, SDGs, and Agenda 2063... Um, has not been as neat as it could be. And they're linked to the human rights agenda in the Constitution. And uh, holding conferences in villages, you're absolutely right. But we have to start somewhere. So we're starting at a place where some can come and we know that not all can come. So that we have this coalition for social justice. We have some buy-in so that when we go back to a Decentralized agenda that covers all the 4,392 municipalities. We have an army of people that can go there and, and, and have these discussions. But you are right. We need every person on board, whether they're poor or rich or something in between, business, government. It's really about all hands on deck to tackle poverty decisively protecting structural inequality to
0: size quickly. Awesome. Thank you so much for your contributions, Professor Madoncella. It's unfortunate that we don't have the time that we would want, obviously, to unpack these issues that you have just kept unpacking for us. But thank you for your time. All the best for the summit and the conference following that.
1: Thank you for the privilege. Good back.
0: Good da- Goodbye, ma'am. Professor Madoncella, Law Trust Chair of Social Justice at Stellenbosch University, talking to us about the summit and international conference in the context of social justice and global human rights. We're going to take a quick ad break before we ask the questions. Are guns an effective tool for self-defense? Ms. Adele Kirsten, Gunfree Society Director, there will be here to ask, or rather to answer that question as asked. 2047, please stay tuned, SAFM Viewpoint.